welcome to Miracles and Wonders, the podcast that helps you create more miracles in your life by looking at the world around you in new and wondrous ways. In this series, I'm interviewing the authors in a new collaborative book, The Miracle Mindset. Hi, I'm Diane Lund, best-selling author, entrepreneur, creative director, writer, producer, and reverend focused on a teachings in A Course in Miracles for many decades. Miracles are defined as a shift in perception in A Course in Miracles. Instead of thinking from fear or negative thinking, we turn our thinking upside down and we think positive thoughts. We think from a loving base. In The Miracle Mindset, each author starts their story with an opening couplet that embodies how they change their mind to change their life. I am here today with another of the authors from the Miracle Mindset book, which launches on April 27, 2022. Very excited. There is 11 authors in the book and Joyce Bauer, a very good friend, longtime friend, is one of the people who will be in the book. So welcome, Joyce. Thank you, Diane. I'm I'm thrilled to be doing this with you, this interview, and I'm really happy to be part of the book that you've I, collaborated with. Absolutely. I'm just thrilled to have you here. So Joyce, we have a long history going back a few decades as we worked in advertising and marketing together uh, in ad agencies. And then we moved on to each have our own uh, firm. Joyce had a media firm and I had a creative firm. And so Joyce, why don't you tell the audience, because I know a lot about you, but they've just met you. So tell them a little bit about your uh, past. Sure. Okay. I'm uh, originally from Windsor, Ontario, and moved to BC in 1983 when I was 20 years old, just out of college, and started my career in advertising and um, did that for 35 years. 25 of which was uh, my own company, a media buying company. And Diane and I worked together prior to having our own companies. That's where we met. And then we did business together uh, when we each had our own advertising companies. And um, Diane's become a big part of my family. She's usually sitting around my Thanksgiving or Christmas table. And she's the godmother to my first son. And um, she's always second son now too. And that's right. My second son as well, since his uh, godmother left us. Yeah. And um, yeah, Diane's always been a spiritual leader for me. And I've been really lucky to um, have her as a friend and just, you know, be able to have that wisdom and have these spiritual conversations over the years. Yes. Well, you know me, Joyce, I never miss a chance to have a spiritual conversation. It's always been something that kind of lights up my world. I've always wanted to answer the bigger, deeper questions of life. And I just love a good conversation about uh, some of these questions. And in this book, The Miracle Mindset, what we're looking at is typical ways of thinking. And then what we call the miracle mindset way of thinking. So typical thinking is kind of like just look to the evening news or the daily news on your phone. If you had to take it down to a root source, it tends to be rooted in fear. Uh, Certainly nowadays with the war going on in Ukraine and all kinds of upsets, 
uh, gas prices rising, you know, all sorts of things, food prices rising, um, people's freedom being taken away, refugees everywhere. It's it, it sort of saturated with fear. And mm-hmm. so that is kind of typical thinking. And so what we're trying to do with this book is tell stories, everyday stories. So I've invited people who are my friends, people who are entrepreneurs and business people, people who have a spiritual background in a course, and people that don't. Because what we're trying to say is this miracle mindset, which is thinking from love instead of fear, is something that is for everyone. You don't need to be, quote, spiritual. And spiritual for me is not religious. It is really, uh, The Course in Miracles is really a self-study guidebook to helping you change your mind from thinking from with fear to thinking from love. So I ask each person to start their story with uh, their typical thinking and their miracle mindset. So in Joyce's case, her story is called Everlasting Friendship. And typical thinking is my friend is dead and gone. And the miracle mindset that Joyce uh, came up with is my friend and I are connected beyond death. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, Joyce. So why did you want to be in the book? Well, I think that it was divine timing because I love it. You know, it, it really was. My, my friend had passed away and then you had spoken to her through a medium and she told you that she would send me messages and um, attach a very distinct object to those. And I didn't think about it a heck of a lot um, until I started connecting these messages that were coming um, exactly as she had said they would through you. And so, I mean, doing the book um, and telling me about the book and then having this happening in my life, in my real life, in real time, as you were talking about the book, it just it's just very natural. It's a very natural thing to do to write a chapter and also very cathartic for me to be able to talk about my friend and, um, you know, think about the memories that that we created Uh, together. Well, I did know your friend well. And as we sort of hinted at at the beginning of this conversation, she was the godmother to your youngest son. And I was the godmother to your oldest son. And uh, now that she passed, because she passed quite suddenly, nobody was expecting it. I mean, it was clearly a bolt out of the blue. So I can imagine it was shocking. Yes, of course. Yes. You you know, I, I think death probably is always shocking. Um, but when it's a peer um, who seems to be in good health and it's, uh, you know, has no apparent uh, medical conditions and is still young, it's, it's very shocking. It's not Absolutely. the right order of things. Right? Yeah, it's not the right order. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll let people read the story to, to find out a little bit about that. That's just a little tease for you out there to uh, read Joyce's story, which is called Everlasting Friendship. So can you tell us a little bit, Joyce, without giving the whole story away, Sure. Uh, what you wrote sure. about? Sure. Well, um, I started by writing about the, my history with my friend and how I met her and how we became very good friends and really like sisters. You know, we spent holidays together. We did um, vacations together. 
uh, and she was a part of my my family, my children's lives, and all of my siblings knew her, as well as my mom, just from sitting around the the Thanksgiving and the Easter table, just like you. And uh, so we start out, I start out with that just to speak about the significance of our friendship and then the, um, her sudden passing and throughout a year, about a year's time, because when she passed to when we did her celebration of life was a year apart because uh-huh. of COVID. Right. Yeah. And in that year's time, um, myself and, and, uh, a group of women settled her affairs. And, um, so there was, Which was significant because yes. she, she passed suddenly. So nobody was prepared. It wasn't like nobody she had an illness. Prepared. That's right. Yeah. And, um, she was a very artistic woman and traveled the world and her, Home was filled with treasures from around the world, beautiful things, uh, as was her studio filled with uh, beautiful linens from France. And there was a lot to do. Um, There was a lot to do. Tell us a little bit about what uh, your friend actually did, the linens from France and your travels to France with her. Right, right. Well, she had a wonderful company called Ratatouille Designs. And a lot of people in Vancouver and, and outside of Vancouver uh, knew of her and went to her studio to buy things or would go to markets when she was at the markets. And what she did is she went to Provence and purchased vintage linens, beautiful, beautiful pieces, mm. sheets mostly, and recreated them into beautiful things for your home, aprons, dresses, really one of a kind designs. And they really were one of a kind because each sheet was unique and it had letters on it or embroidered, you know, um, the kind of thing that's not really done today. It was done a hundred years ago and the quality is so beautiful. It's not produced anymore. And so she had this beautiful studio full of all this treasure and um, made all these lovely designs and was very well known for it. she was at usually at Circle Craft and at other markets. And she was featured in a, um, a very prominent magazine called Selvage, as okay. in salvaging linens or salvaging oh. other things in the world and repurposing them. And that was really towards the end of her life, something that happened that had been a goal for her. And it really put her on the international map. Wow. So she was really quite an accomplished artisan. And a good person, a very, very good person. I think it might be something that people don't know about, Joyce, that there's these markets in Europe where they sell linens that are 100 years old. I mean, why do they still have those linens around? Yeah, well, they're antique markets. And some of them, some of them have more antiques than others. Some markets, there's lots of linen. Um, Other ones, there's a few booths. But these are when you would get married in the past, you would get your linens with your initials on them. And everything in your house, your sheets, your towels, your, um, your hankies, your hand towels, your dish towels, would all have your initials on them, or they would be embroidered with beautiful handiwork. And that was Um, what you had as your family and they would be passed down from generation to generation Ah, so when they survived 
that's how they survived. And they're very well cared for. Um, you know, sometimes when they weren't um, embellished in a fancy way, they would just have in a, in a small corner, they would have embroidered the family initials. And that way, when they were sent to be washed, you knew whose, whose linens they were. So it's very, all, each piece is very unique in the way that it's been done. And uh, I got a great education from my friend because when she would go to France on her buying trips, um, I was able to go meet her there. And she would um, let me tag along to the markets and see how she purchased things and how she determined whether it was a good piece or a bad piece and what the appropriate price would be. And so I have a little secret of her 20 plus years of finding these merchants to go wow. to these vendors. Um, yeah, I was very lucky to get that education from her, as well as the education of learning to appreciate these fine fabrics. Right. Uh, so that was a, a big gift, a big and personal you know, gift. It's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was slower times. And, you know, we didn't have email. I mean, you wrote a letter and you sent the letter and you waited weeks maybe to get another letter back. And people did these crafts, these embroidery crafts and these uh, beautiful lace things that, you know, really, I guess, when the industrial age hit, it all kind of became mechanized. And uh, so it is beautiful to, to think of the, the families or the people that might have owned these. That's right. The and history. How- the history yeah the history and each sheet comes with that it's not only the physical beauty but it's the the fact that it's been washed and pressed so many times and it's beautifully soft and mm. um it feels so luxurious and you think mm. about the historic meaning in it you know whose home it was in and how many homes and generations it went through so yeah. there's there's a real appreciation for that And you've started to teach me a little bit about that because it's something I didn't know about at all. I didn't know about these antique markets, but I did happen to go to France. And actually my story in this book, The Miracle Mindset is called uh, My Miracle in France because I also had a very, very wonderful time in France going to a writer's retreat and having a miracle after miracle quite a few miracles happen in a row in France. So it really is, I have this um, really beautiful memory of France. And this was in the countryside, not in the cities. Um, I was in a region at the Aquitaine region where they have something called the the hundred beautiful villages of France. And so we went from those villages and yeah, I I won't give away the whole story, but it's interesting that we have that France connection. We were yes. both there for um, something fairly significant. So, yeah. So let's back to your story. So a little bit more about, you know, how you felt when your friend died and what was the shift kind of that you went through in that year between her passing and uh, the time of you writing? Well, initially, of course, I, w- I was shocked. I was in yeah. shock. I- I've never really lost a contemporary Mm-hmm. Uh, all my siblings are still alive and I haven't really lost somebody um, that I was that close to uh, and around the same age. And so it, it was very shocking. And 
I didn't realize until after the fact, I, I felt quite depressed about it for several months. I didn't really recognize that until I came out of it and got lighter again. Um, and then working through sorting through her belongings and making sure they found good homes and, um, you know, preparing her home for sale, um, preparing for the celebration of life, those kinds of things. I got to work through a lot of those, I guess, the grieving process, really. And um, by the time it was time for the celebration of life, um, I had received messages from her at very significant times in the process. And I really felt close to her. Initially, I felt, wow, there's this huge void where right. she and, used to be. And yeah. like, you know, I think many people understand you don't realize what a good friend or a good parent or that you had until they're gone and then you see the void that's left in your life and so I went from feeling that massive void in my life and in the and in my family's lives to feeling more connected with her wow, so are, are you saying that you felt more connected after she passed well I felt no Initially, when okay. she passed away, I felt the void. I see. And then throughout the process, and, and because of the messages from her, by the time it was her celebration of life, I felt quite close to her. And it's funny that you say that, did I feel closer after she died? Because I realized some of the human things that we have get in the way of friendship sometimes and oh. of love. Um, quirky things, um, getting on each other's nerves, um, you know, especially when you travel together and you've got your own quirks and neuroses and all of that. And after she passed away, I realized it's almost like our friendship transcended. And now there weren't even any of those blocks in the way from when we might have a disagreement. I mean, we love to debate. She was a wonderful person for getting an idea out there and then debating with people on it. And, and that was a, a really fun part of our relationship. But I did feel like I could be even closer to her because there was none of the humanness, the human condition in the way. Oh, that's really interesting because I can mm -hmm. see exactly what you're saying. We each have these little quirks, but it's almost like we just remember the love. We don't really remember the quirks. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things I think of a, a true friendship is that you're allowed to be quirky. Yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to yeah. let that stuff out and, and your friend loves you anyway. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about a friendship, but certainly um, after my friend passed, I, I, that stuff was all gone and it was just all the the memories and all the, the beautiful experiences that we had to get together and what I learned from her, you know, how much richer my life is as a result right. of being her friend and her being my friend. And, and I really saw it when I was with you on Salt Spring Island in the summer, uh, your wardrobe was definitely influenced by her, all your beautiful linen um, mm -hmm. dresses and, and things that, you know, really, 
Uh, we didn't wear that when we were doing the advertising. No, that's right. Yes, we were very corporate. We were. And, and um, so being retired, it's very nice to be able to be, to dress, um, I guess, a little more authentically. And uh, certainly on Salt Spring Island, it's, it's uh, very casual. Mm-hmm. And her, her styles fit in very well with that. It really, they really do. I mean, island, I, yes, the island life and, uh, and so, the sort yeah. of artist, artisan style. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People really appreciate the crafts and the arts on the Gulf Islands in Vancouver. So if you're not in the Vancouver area and you ever come up to this area, do check out the Gulf Islands because they really have a flavor and a personality all their own. And they are really sort of uh, artisan based, I would say a lot of artists live there. It's true. Yes, that's a big part of the attraction for me. Yeah. So uh, we're going to just uh, ask you one last question about this. So what would you like people to take away from your story? Remembering that we're talking about typical thinking, and then there's the shift to the miracle mindset. So what would you say was the shift for you? Well, I think I moved from, well, I, as you said, from fear to love, because of course, when um, Susan first passed away, it was, it was scary. It's like, what happened? How could this happen? Right. Um, You know, nobody had anticipated anything like that. And, and the sense of loss and darkness, I think. And then that turned around to lightness and love. And that's, for me, that's the shift it, you know, moving out of that grieving um, darkness that hangs around death, and moving into light and love, which is, to me, more about spirituality, and what happens uh, beyond death. We do have in this uh, typical Western culture, kind of uh, almost a fear of death and as you say kind of a darkness surrounding it but there is this other side as we live in duality this uh, side that yes we are physical beings and that physical body does die there's no denying that but then there is a part that we haven't really acknowledged that lives on and that what you're saying is she actually communicated with you from beyond Uh, after the body was gone, still, you were having a relationship. That's a real different mindset that, you know, mostly people think the person's gone, I won't talk to them again, I won't see them again. This is very sad and dark. But there is this interesting mind shift that we could have that yes, that's true. I don't want to deny the grief people feel. Um, But also there is perhaps this possibility that life goes beyond the physical and that we could have relationships even after people die. That's a pretty big turnaround. It is. It is. And it's not something that I thought about really until it happened in my life. Right. Um, Yes. And I think also um, as I mature as a person, um, I'm one of those people who, who doesn't have a background in Course in Miracles, but I certainly, the, the limited amount that I know rings true to me. It really rings true. And shifting from fear to love 
is something that I've been focused on, um, you know, as I, as I get older and I guess have more empathy and understanding. And so, yeah, I, I think it's very in line with how I feel in this situation. Yeah, and I think we are um, moving that way, I hope, as a whole culture, that we're embracing more than just the physicality of self. You know, we are mind, body, and spirit. And to leave any one of them out of the equation, the course is really trying to retrain the mind. It says it is um, a course in mind training. It's Mm -hmm. trying to train the mind to think positively from love rather than from fear and the reason is very simple that we are much more powerful beings than we acknowledge what we are thinking is going out into the quantum possibility and it is pulling back what we think about we actually pull back into our lives and so we really haven't embraced that yet as a culture that we are that powerful we are the creators of our universe and of our lives. But we still wanna think, oh, it's out there. Somehow it's in someone else's hand. It's in the government's hand. It's in the, you know, the people that are paying my salary, whatever. Someone else's hands, not my hands. But really it is in our hands. And the really beautiful thing about that is, oh no, it's in my hands. Well, that's scary. That means I'm responsible. But the good news, about that is yes you are responsible and you can change that you can't change other people I mean uh, believe you me I've tried to change other people (laughs) they just you know dig those little heels in um but you can't change yourself that you have control over so the good news is yes we have to take more responsibility but when we change our thoughts from fearful to loving we feel happier And I think that we notice more love. The more we're thinking about it and shifting our own thinking, we start noticing those miracles and those love-based things more in the world. If that's what's in our consciousness, whereas if we're very fear-based, then we're looking at all the scary things that are happening in the world and all the fear. And so I notice myself just when I'm in the mindset, a healthy light mindset, um, I do notice all of those love-based things. And I, and I do notice everyday miracles. And we do know that from our advertising and marketing training, that if we tell people to, you know, uh, don't pay attention to the red car, <laughs> your mind will start picking out the red cars. Right. Because you've highlighted it. And so once you start to highlight love, like you say, you start to notice it more in your life. So Anyways, to end, Joyce, what we usually do on the podcast is I just pull a random uh, miracle card, Diane Lund Miracles. I have eight decks of cards that have uh, 50 quotes per deck, eight decks, over 400 in different settings. So I've just randomly chosen a card to read. So um, I, I like to end with these miracle cards because I find that when I pull the cards in my study group, people would be like, Oh, my God, this is the exact card I needed. Like the synchronicity is what starts to get people like, wow, that's amazing that that was the card that was pulled. So there's eight decks and eight different colors, no two decks are the same. 
And I think it's a simple way to start sort of noticing more miracles in your own life. So every week I give away a deck of cards to one person who joins my closed Facebook group, which is Diane Lund's Monday Miracles. And so you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Diane Lund Miracles and ask to be a member. So here's the card I've pulled. It seems a little difficult. So let's see what we get out of it. It says, humility is a lesson for the ego, not for the spirit. Spirit is beyond humility because it recognizes its radiance and gladly sheds its light everywhere. Oh, I love it. Mm. Humility is a lesson for the ego. So the ego is always trying to puff itself up, defend itself, attack. So yeah, humility is for the ego. Right. It needs a, but spirit doesn't need that lesson because it recognizes its own light and its own radiance and gladly sheds its life everywhere. So it doesn't need that humility because it's not trying to puff itself up. It's just recognizing, Hey, I am this. Right. And I think that's the same with love. I I do too. And I think it's kind of what happened with my friend and I, that um, there was a lot of humility um, for my ego initially when she passed away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why did this happen? And, you know, so many thoughts going through my mind, but over the course of a year, I started seeing more love and more light. And certainly each time I got a communication, which I, I write about in my book or in my chapter of the book, a light, uh, you know, in some cases, a light bulb turned on. I mean, it was wow. really a blast of light. Yeah. And um, particularly the first, the first communication that I got from her. And, um, and I think that as the year passed, all of that fear and sadness diminished, still some, some sadness, of course. Um, but I just felt a lot of love and a lot of light and a lot of the positive ways that my life was enhanced with this person. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's leave it on that note. So well said, Joyce. I mean, people do bring their light and their love. That is their essence. Our essence is light and love. And, you know, lots of times we go looking for love in the world. And really, the love is right here. The light is right here. But we have to be willing to to recognize it. So thank you for being with me today, Joyce, on my Miracles and Wonders podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Diane.